Good morning, Romans Sunday School class. I'm going to get started in Romans 13 this morning. Start with a word of prayer real quick, and we'll dive into the text. Lord, thank you for this wonderful day. I pray that our church, Community Bible Church, will continue to grow in the knowledge of you and the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to obey you in a greater way for your honor and for your glory. Lord, help us to understand this passage, to understand its exhortations, to understand the truths that are within it, and that we, Lord, would cherish these things, that we would cherish you more than our very lives and give you honor and glory. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and get started. So Romans 13 verses 11 through 14 will be the section of scripture. And I just want to do a quick recap here. So we started kind of this section of Romans goes back to starting with Romans 12. And I'll read Romans 12, 1 through 2. And I'll plan to incorporate that into today's message or teaching on the passage of scripture that we'll be covering because Paul's kind of summarizing through this whole section how the Christian is to live. And so if you want to know how a Christian is to live for Jesus after they become saved, uh, an awesome section of scripture to read is Romans 12, uh, all the way through 16, essentially. It's, it's the practical commands for a Christian living. Romans 12 through 16. So Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual or reasonable service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so we see... That when we look at the mercies of God, when we look at the grace of God and the redemption that is covered in chapters 1 through 11, it's by these truths and it's by the truths of the gospel that we are supposed to present our lives to God as a spiritual act of service to him. That is how we worship God in spirit and in truth. We lay down our lives and we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to him every day. And I remember when Pastor Bill Menke said that he was reading this verse and it says as if it came afresh to him, this knowledge of what it means to present. And he he really focused in on the word present. And it's an active command. Are you actively, every day, presenting your life, your body to Jesus Christ? And that's the call we're all to call to, is to actively present ourselves to God as a living and holy sacrifice for him. So turning to Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, we will take up and read. It says this, Do this, talking about love. The previous verse is all about love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Starting in verse 11, Paul says, Do this, do love, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, the day is near. Therefore, 
Let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Wow, what a powerful section of scripture. And it's somewhat repetitive. So let's uh, let's try to unpack it together real quick. Oh, <coughs> kitty cat. Sorry about that, everyone. So God says this through Paul. Do this. Do love. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not covet. Do not commit adultery. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so it's not only don't do these things, it's also actively love your neighbor. And Paul gave us many ways in Romans 12 of how we actively love and pursue one another in love in the church and in the world. So Paul's exhortation in 11 says, do this knowing the time. So I want us to key on this phrase, knowing the time. Sorry about that. Cat's having a a fit here. Doesn't like me talking, I guess. Knowing the time. Do this knowing the time. So let's look at knowing the time, that it's already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. And so knowing the time, Paul links to the, the last part of the verse, knowing that salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. So the time is... Knowing that the day of Christ Jesus is coming, as he says in verse 12, um, the night is almost gone, the day is near. And so that day is the day of Christ Jesus, many, many scholars believe. And that this day of salvation is drawing near. And we remember back in Romans 8, Paul talks about the future day of glorification, the redemption of our body, and that is our future hope. And that's the day Paul is talking about, this day when our salvation, our final act of salvation by God is completed for us. And that is our glorification when our body is redeemed and glorified and that we will have a sinless body that will not be able to fall into sin. We will have no more weakness of the flesh warring against our new nature, our new heart that longs and loves and pursues God in obedience. So we are to love knowing that this day is drawing near. And Paul has an exhortation for us that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. And so I have this question for you, Christian. Are you awake or are you sleeping? Are you awake or are you sleeping? And to be awake, Paul says, is to be laying aside the deeds of darkness and putting on the armor of light. If you're sleeping, you're still not behaving properly as in the day. You're still going about in some kind of sinful lifestyle. You're still making provision for your flesh. You're still allowing areas of your life to be sinful. And we all struggle with sin for sure. But how awake are you? 
And how, how much are you taking this imperative command to heart? And how much are you striving to make no more provisions for the lusts of your flesh? Uh, for sexual sins, for strife, for jealousy, for drinking pleasures, whatever kind of sins it is, for gossip, for slandering people, for putting other people down, for general rebellion and disobedience, for general obstinacy against the government, for general hatred or anger with people. Are you forgiving? Are you loving? Are you pursuing gentleness? Are you pursuing Christ-likeness? These things you need to ask yourself. Am I awake or am I still sleeping in the darkness? Am I pursuing the light as well as I could? Or am I letting flesh constantly win? Even though God, I believe that God has given me his love and his spirit poured out within my heart, putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And so that's my question for you. How awake are you? It doesn't matter. The, the point of the question is to get you to be like, well, I, I guess I need to wake up more. And that's the point that what Paul says for us. We need to awaken from sleep. We've spent enough hours sinning. We've spent enough of our life sinning. What we need to do is to wake up and put on Jesus Christ more each day. And so that's Paul. Do this, do what's good, do love, and no longer do sin, knowing that the day of Christ is drawing near. And I believe Paul has a theological vision for us to acquire. Knowing the command here to do this, knowing that the day is drawing near, we need to think about that day and what elsewhere scripture Paul says to us. And that is, I believe, talking about rewards. We know that rewards come on the last day for the Bama Seat judgment for Christians. And you're going to be rewarded for good behavior, not for bad behavior. And I, so, I believe Paul is exhorting the Romans here that they need to be ready for that day of salvation. They need to be ready for when Christ is going to hand out rewards to Christians at the Bama Seat judgment, like good athletes. And so this judgment seat, the Bama Seat in the Greek, um, was a place for athletes to be rewarded their victor's crowns. And so I believe that's the imagery here that Paul wants us to take to heart and to mind, to motivate us. We need to do love. We need to put on Jesus Christ. We need to live a Christian virtuous life, obeying the commands of God that are clear in Scripture, because the day is drawing near, the day of future reward is drawing near, and the day of our glorification is drawing near. And you, when you receive your glorified body, united to your soul, you're also going to be receiving your rewards for every good deed that was done in Christ's name. And so I want you to take that to heart. And Paul wants you to take that to heart. And he wants you to prepare for that day. And beyond that, look back to Romans 12.1. By the mercies of God, present yourself to God as a living and holy sacrifice. My friends, Treasure the gospel. Treasure the fact that Christ sacrificially lowered himself and came and took on the form of a slave and a servant and died the lowliest death on a Roman cross in society at that day. Jesus Christ 
lowered himself and died the death that you deserve. He struggled, he suffered, and he pursued love. And then he, he loved people. He served people. He served God. So I want you to consider putting on the life of Christ more and more. Sacrificial, giving, emptying yourself for others, for the love of God and for the love of others. How can you empty yourself and pursue God in a greater and more marvelous way? How can you put on the armor of light? How can you put on the love of the Lord Jesus Christ more today? It's time to wake up. It's time to stop sleeping. Whatever spiritual apathy or lethargy you have in your life, the exhortation is for today to move on and to live better now. We're studying this verse in scripture. This is where we are today. Uh, it's time to get about it. It's time to be exhorted. It's time to prepare for the day of salvation. It's time to fix our hope on Jesus Christ. And everyone who has their hope fixed on Jesus Christ purifies himself just as Jesus himself is pure. So let's be about that business. Okay, salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. Let's look at that phrase in verse 11. Salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. In the Bible, I just want to talk about this theologically for a moment. In the Bible, it talks about salvation in three ways. So this is a theological understanding across the pages of Scripture. So thinking about this from a number of different passages of Scripture. Salvation is past tense. We were saved. Salvation, that's, many theologians call that justification. And we read that in Romans 3 and 4. Justification, justification, justification. You are justified by God. You were declared righteous. You were declared right with God. You have peace and you've been reconciled to God in Christ, through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, applying the blood of Christ to your account. Uh, faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. God credited the life of Christ to your account through faith, which was a gift from God. Uh, your faith was a gift from God, Ephesians 2.8. Uh, repentance is a gift from God, uh, 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2.24-26-ish, somewhere in there. Repentance is a gift from God. It comes from God. And so, salvation is past present and future. Presently, we are being sanctified. And that's what Paul is exhorting us to be about at work with God. You can read Romans 8 talking about uh, putting to death, um, you know, by the power of the Spirit, we're putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And that's how we know we're children of God, is that we are pursuing love and good deeds, and that God is at work in us through His Spirit doing that. And that there's a continual exhortation to us as Christians to keep pursuing more love, to keep pursuing more obedience, to keep putting off any sinful things that remain in our life, to be about war, spiritual warfare, that we are to be about putting to death sin in our life and to be pursuing love of God and the love of others more and more in our life. And we are to do so because the day of our future glorification, the day of our future salvation, is drawing near. And so that, I just wanted to talk about that for a moment. Past salvation, present salvation, future salvation. All, each of these tense, tenses of salvation are talked about in the Bible. 
It doesn't mean that you need to be saved. You need to be justified in the future. Uh, salvation is, is eternal. Uh, once you've been justified, you will be sanctified and you will be glorified. You can read that in the unbreakable chain of salvation in Romans 8, uh, 25 through 28. Okay, moving on to verse 12. The night is almost gone, the day is near. And so the deeds of the darkness, the night, Paul uses this metaphor of the night for meaning darkness, sin. We need to, to be about, we need to understand that the night is almost gone as the day draws near. And so in our mind, we're to look at this as, okay, glorification and the rule and the reign of God forever and kingdom and bliss and light. Darkness is being done away with, and so we need to be about living the light now. If this is our mind, if we understand in our mind that theologically God is going to rule and reign forever in light and in purity and there will be no sin, we need to understand that during this present time, God is doing away with the days of darkness and the future light of the kingdom is coming. And so if this is true and this is true, we need to live as, as if that day is true, the future light and glory in the kingdom of God. We need to pursue that. So while the darkness, while we live in the darkness, we have the day of the light on our minds. We understand that the, the darkness is almost done away with. The age of darkness is almost done. And the future glory of the light and kingdom is coming. The kingdom is already at work in the darkness, but we look forward to the great day of, of the future kingdom in its full revelation, in its full glory, and that will include the redemption of our bodies. And so we need to live between these two days sober-mindedly. We need to think about this and consider this, I believe, is what Paul's teaching us. The night is almost gone, so pursue the kingdom of light while we are still living in this age of darkness on the earth, when there's still sinners all around us that are unbelievers. We need to pursue loving them and bringing them to the light of the truth. And we need to pursue behaving properly, virtuously as Christians, obeying God's commands, obeying Christ's commands to us. And Paul says, therefore... Let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. So the night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore. So Paul gives us the therefore. What is the there therefore? Uh, it's to exhort us. To tell us that if this is true. If the night is almost gone. And the day is very near. The day of our future redemption. We need to do something. And so Paul exhorts us. We need to lay aside the deeds of darkness. And put on the armor of light. And so that's exactly what Paul wants us to do. If it is true that the dark is almost gone and the future great day of salvation is coming, we need to start living according to that truth. And living according to that truth means to Paul is don't live in the darkness anymore. Live as if you're in the light already that's coming. Verse 13, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. It's a repeat of the same things. It's a repeat of the same thing, put in a different way. 
let us behave properly as in the day. So as we look to the future day, we need to behave properly as as if we're already living and desiring that future day. In 1 John, John says it this way, everyone who has their hope fixed on him, fixed on Jesus Christ and that future day, purifies himself or purifies oneself just as he is pure. And so if Jesus is pure, just as that future day of glorification will be pure and great and marvelous and majestic, we're to live like that now. That would be the proper thing to do. The proper thing is to behave knowing that that day is near, knowing that we are being called to that future day of light and that glorification is just around the corner. We need that is proper behavior is to live in the light and in the day now. So the opposite, the opposite is we are commanded to not. So the negative command is to not live our life in carousing around or drunkenness. So no partying uh, for drunkenness, pleasures, for hallucinogenic minds, drugs, these types of things that take our mind away that do not leave us with a sober mind. We should not be pursuing drunkenness in any way. Uh, This does not mean that you can't have a drink in the Bible. For the men in the Bible, including Jesus, did have drinks of, of fermented drink. But drunkenness is always a sin in the Bible. And so would be taking drugs to lose the state of your mind. That is, God says, my mind is, your mind is supposed to be the seat of God. Okay, so your mind is supposed to be constantly giving worship and honor to God in every way. And so we have to live a sober-minded life, pursuing God with a sober-minded obedience. You can't do that if you're drunk and um, your mind is, is, is uh, <clears throat> muddied by the, by the influence of drugs. Uh, also, so sexuality... Uh, we're not supposed to be pursuing sexual promiscuity or sensual lusts. So covering down on sexual pleasures. Uh, there's only one proper relationship for sex in the Bible, and that's between a man and a woman who are married and committed to one another before God and before um, uh, the, the community that they live in, that they will honor to, to live out a devoted life to one another. So if you're pursuing sexual pleasures on a computer screen or with a mistress or with lusts, lusting after other women walking by, any kind of sexual sin, any kind of sexual lust that is outside of a marriage between you and your spouse is improper. It's sinful before God and and that is ugly to God and you should not be about that in any way. So no kinds of sexual sin outside of marriage between a man and a woman. Not in strife or jealousy. So getting after other commands of God in the scriptures. Strife, jealousy, envy, lying, those types of things. Those things are not good. We are not to be about those things. We are to, Christians are called to be truthful. Christians are called to be sacrificial. Not jealous not envious. We're supposed to desire to work hard with our hands so that we might be able to give to those who have need. 
We aren't supposed to be worried about accumulating great barns of wealth to live lazily or luxuriously on this earth. We're supposed to be about working hard with our own two hands so that we might be able to give to those who truly have need, to somebody who is poor and desperate or down and out and needs assistance of some kind. We are to be ready for charity. We are to be ready to be like the Good Samaritan that is able to take care of somebody who's just been beaten or robbed or left on the side of the highway. You know, a family that we see a car uh, pulled over and the tires are blown out. We're, we're to be able to have some, some wealth built, some, some money put aside to be able to try to help somebody in need. And there's various types of giving in the Bible, giving to your church, giving to your pastors, giving to missionaries, uh, giving to fellow Christians first and foremost, and then acts of charity to your fellow human beings, that whether or not they're believers and in the Christian community or not. Just, just general charity, general generosity. So having money put aside for those types of things or giving to others in the various ways that God says to. Not in strife and jealousy. So no anger, no strife, no grieving against the other. I mean, you can grieve, so I didn't mean grieving. No grudges against others, but a forgiving, loving mentality. Generous to others. And in verse 14, the summary Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. If there is a final thing that Paul can say, the greatest way that we can compact all of this down into one simple statement, Paul says it this way, put on the Lord Jesus. And so as you look in the scriptures at the life of Jesus Christ in the Gospels and in the way that Paul talks about Jesus and explains him in the epistles, and the way that James does, and the way that the author of Hebrews does, and John and Peter explain Jesus, you will get a very clear picture of the way that you are supposed to live. We are commanded as Christians to constantly put on Jesus, to clothe Jesus around us. We look at Jesus and we seek to clothe Jesus, clothe ourselves in Christ, to act more like him, to think more like him, to love Christ and to love others as he did, to live as Christ lived. And as Peter says, if you do these things, you will do well. You will not be fruitless, but you will be fruitful and useful for the kingdom of God. You will be. Let us put on the Lord Jesus Christ and put off the flesh. I want you to notice the second part of this verse, make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. So we are to actively not only be clothing ourselves in Christ, we are to actively be making sure that we are taking off of our life anything that remains that could lead us into sinfulness. Not only are we to actively put on Jesus, we are to actively make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. And so two commands here, put on Christ and take off anything in your life that causes you to go into sin or anything in your life that is sinful already. That's my exhortation for you all. Look to Jesus Christ. Look to his abundant, glorious mercy in the gospel that he has shown to you and consider how you can live for him more obediently today 
tomorrow in each day he gives you. As you know in your mind that the day draws near, the day of your glorification, the day of the redemption of your body, live in the light now. As you walk around in the darkness of this age, be a light and salt for God and for Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your truth. It is marvelous truth. Help us, Lord, to love and obey you in a greater way and to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable spiritual service of worship. Help us to do this, Lord, actively, to actively lay down our lives, to empty ourselves of ourselves, to empty ourselves of sin and selfishness, and to put on you, Lord Jesus. Help us to do this by the power of your Spirit. For the glory of you and the Father. Amen.